when we first met, you were shocked to find that I had heard of the infamous wheelchair Barbie. Yes, because no one has ever just like heard of her. And not only did you know her. I am her. You are her. I am Becky, friend of Barbie. Yes. I mean, you guys have more in common than just the name. It's true. The fashion choices. I mean, the flannel shirts, the dark wash jeans. The Converse. But you also had things in common with Becky, the wheelchair Barbie. The wheelchair. It's kind of a shame it didn't come with like a tiny oxygen tank for you, too. It really is. But something that I really liked about the Barbie is it kind of played the wheelchair as kind of an accessory. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Bright red, at least the school photographer one, which is my favorite. Yeah, and I liked that because I think that that is a way to familiarize young kids at a young age. Is like, oh, she's just a Barbie. She just uses a chair. And I remember being a kid and kids always like wanting to play with the chair and wanting to like do those kinds of things. So I think... So if you can normalize it at an age like that, like, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I actually found the archival AP videotape from when Wheelchair Barbie got released back in the 90s. Let's take a listen. Well, Barbie's reason for being is that she allows little girls to play out their dreams and aspirations of what it's like to be grown up in the world. And we think it's right that we really reflect in a very positive way the richness and diversity in the real world. And Barbie has had many um, ethnic friends over the years. It was about time that Barbie had a friend with a disability. Hi, you're listening to The Obvious Question. I'm Maddie Lawson, the bionic babe on wheels. And I'm Becky Smith, the boring, able-bodied one. And today we're going to be discussing my favorite topic of conversation. Boys. Fashion. <laughs> wow, Becky. Fashion. The other, the other favorite topic of conversation. But so I love Becky, the wheelchair Barbie. I loved her fashion. You hated it. I did. I wanted pretty, like, pink, high heels. See-through. See-through. Fishnets. (laughs) Revealing. Heels. Yes. Which, like, very much fits your aesthetic. I mean, there were a lot of things that I had never thought about, like finding clothes that looked good on your body or looked good sitting down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding clothes that not only fit my body, because I'm a pretty small person, I'm the size of your average third grader. Um, so finding clothes that are made for someone who's in third grade but also look like you're 21 um, can be a struggle sometimes. It's not every day that you see a model, you know, sitting down modeling clothing. So that's something that's also a little bit of a struggle because I never know how something is going to actually look until I put it on my body. You know, that's not something that a lot of different industries like think about whenever they're producing clothing. And I mean, and I know we've talked a little bit about Sometimes even just like the reality of going somewhere and trying on clothing before you buy it, like going to a mall. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. I typically don't unless I'm with someone. So in this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of these topics. The fact that the fashion industry doesn't really think about disabled bodies when it designs clothes. And the way we're going to talk about it is actually through uh, an experience you had where you walked in Kansas City Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to actually meet a designer locally here in Columbia, who goes to Stevens. Who, Stevens College. Stevens College. Right. And she, her senior collection is a bridal wear line designed specifically for women with disabilities. So I saw a post on Facebook saying she was looking for models that also had disability. And so I was like, ooh, that's me. I need to do that. <laughs> 
So I was really super excited because, you know, it's not every day that people look at my body and see like, oh, she can be a model. So then to have that opportunity to get to be on that platform um, was just really cool. And she just happened to be basically my soul twin. I mean, she also has a form of muscular dystrophy herself that she was recently diagnosed with. And, and I think it gives her a really interesting perspective. Yeah, yeah. So she has, you know, skin in the game, but also <laughs> like this kind of an outside perspective. And she's just been so much fun to work with. And we just had a, a grand old time together. Well, then let's go ahead and get into the episode. We're going to hear from you and Toby, Toby Roberts, the designer throughout this episode. So I'm not in this episode much, but we're going to be hearing some audio from some fittings and from the Kansas City Fashion Week that you walked in with Toby. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and dive in. All right. What inspired your line? So Breathe is inspired by American Impressionism paintings. They were all like very sensual. They always had like a naked girl laying out in some beautiful flowers. Um, And I just, I thought that was so fascinating to just see a woman by herself just laying there and feeling beautiful. Um, And I wanted to make sure like everyone could feel that way. So that's where I got it. I really wanted the sensuality aspect to come out in my designs um, because a lot of disabled women really don't get to feel that their bodies are sensual or that they can feel sexy because of society's view on what a disabled body is. And then Breathe was inspired by (laughs) the uh, sensuality of right before you take a kiss, you like breathe, like your breathing changes. Um, Or when someone tells you they love you, like your breathing um, gets like heightened and you breathe a little deeper. So just breathing and movement and color were mainly my three focuses. I actually thought it was really ironic when you told me the uh, title of the, the breathing thing. You're like, like, LOL, I can't breathe. <laughs> when you're the face of breathing. Right. You can't. <laughs> you're like, hit me up, my oxygen tank. <laughs> Oxygen's overrated, honestly. So you talked about um, wanting to incorporate this element of sensuality. Um, why do you think it was important to give that to women that have disabilities? The women with disabilities, like I said, they don't get to feel sexy, not because they don't feel sexy, but society just doesn't view them as sexy. Um, there's just a stigma, like if you're disabled or if you're in a wheelchair or if you use a cane, you're sad. Like your life can only be sadness. Um, and that's just not accurate at all. A lot of women I know who have disabilities are happy. They're living amazing lives. They are the light in a room whenever they walk in. I just wanted to show that, and I really wanted to show that we're more than just like a one-dimensional thing. Like we're not just our disability. We're sexual, beautiful creatures that can do literally anything else everyone can do. So by having like tighter-fitting dresses or dresses with like deeper necklines, I just wanted to show we have bodies and they're not sad they're like they're pretty nice i'm just saying honestly can you tell me a little bit about your diagnosis and like your family history and stuff yeah so i was diagnosed with limb girdle muscular dystrophy which is a form of muscular dystrophy that affects your arms and your legs um, and it deteriorates the muscle and it doesn't come back So my mom, my grandmother, my sister, and my brother was just recently diagnosed, um, and I got my diagnosis when I got back from Paris over the summer. 
And I can feel the weakness, but right now it doesn't seem as intense as what it's going to be. I think it's just, it's also hard getting people to understand, especially having like an invisible disability. People really don't see it. It's not noticeable to the eyes. So whenever I try and say something like, oh, I can't do that, they're like, oh, yeah, like I also can't do a push up. And it's like, no, like you could eventually do a push up if you tried, but like I can't, or things like that, where it's just like physical labor, especially because fashion is so physically tolling. I have to like know to limit myself or know to sit down at certain times. Um, so I don't feel like I'm going to die at the end of the day, you know? I know. Just those know kind that. of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so having your background with, you know, people with disabilities involved, is that, like, you've had to notice barriers with, like, fashion in that way, too. Yeah, I definitely noticed it. So my grandmother has always been in a wheelchair, so, like, since I can remember, and she couldn't dress herself, so my grandfather would dress her. And he... It took a toll on him as well, um, and he had back surgery from it because he couldn't really lift. So I interviewed her along with, like, a bunch of other women just to, like, really – because I knew there was a lot of problems that I didn't really, like, know, know, and I wanted to, like, actually hear people. So when I interviewed, they gave me, like, a lot of good info, um, just, like, lifting someone or what's easier to put on, like, skirts versus dresses, um, where zippers are placed. Because you would think a zipper in the front would be easier to dress – But that's easier if you're dressing yourself. But if someone's dressing you, it is easier to have a zipper in the back because you can just put it on and then just zip from the back and you don't have to worry about adjusting anything. And then I did a lot of, like, research on brands who do actually make clothes for um, disabled bodies that aren't just, like, wedding dresses, which is what I do. And I learned a lot from them, like, Velcro, seam placements, how to, like, fit two bodies that are sitting so, yeah, it was definitely, like, a learning process. I definitely opened my eyes. Girl, your arms are going to go numb. I know. I can't even do that. <laughs> my arms are, like... I know when stuff. you were making your dresses and pieces, um, there was, like, a little bit of pushback from your teachers, like, because you did adapt the dresses to meet the bodies of your clients. Um, and I know, like, sometimes on the hanger, things don't look as pretty oh, yeah. as they do on the, on the person. Oh, yeah. Which I think is true for, like, able-bodied stuff too but like for yours weren't they telling you like this is done wrong yeah whenever they would look at some of the things they would be like this doesn't look right this isn't laying how it should but also the women I'm working with don't exactly have bodies that are gonna look right when they lay on a hanger so like your body twists so the garment twists it naturally will have a twist to it Um, and then we like adjusted your center front to not actually be your center front on the top but to scooch over so it looked more um correct like it looked like it was going exactly to your center front and she would be like well this side's longer than this side and I was like yes I am aware I know I know that my pattern is built that way I guess for me it's just that you know dresses can fit you and it's not it's the dress that doesn't fit it's not that you don't fit the dress so so when what season of project runway are you gonna be on um I don't know I feel like I'm already in it yeah because I'm voting for you. Oh, thanks. And you're going to win. Call Tim Gunn and be like, that Toby girl, it's just something about her. I really I'll, like call, her. I'll call Tim Gunn and make a wish. <laughs> my, my wish is for Toby to win Project Runway. That's a good one, though. I like that wish. See, I already got a wish, but, like, I have two diseases, so I feel like I should get another one. I got, like, 
two different subtypes. Does that count? Like You're listening to the obvious question. We're talking fashion with Maddie, of course, and fashion designer Toby Roberts. So I have 10 models for Kansas City Fashion Week, um, and I wanted to include models of all different backgrounds, all different abilities, um, and all different ethnicities. So I have uh, two girls with Down syndrome, and they're both shaped completely different. Um, like one's plus size, and the other one is like a size four or six. Um, and one's like very short, with the other one's like uh, a little closer to five foot. And then obviously, I'm working with Maddie, that beautiful doll. Um, and her body twists. And then I have another girl, Rachel, who's in a wheelchair. And her body um, is like more straight. It doesn't twist as much as Maddie's because she had surgery uh, where they put a rod in her back. So like she has to sit like perfectly straight. So I have to make sure whatever I put on her is like very comfortable. She can lean back in it and she can be lifted in it. And then I have a girl with bone cancer. Um, So she's very thin. She's going through chemo right now. I think she has stage four bone cancer. Um, She weighs like 90 pounds, I think. Very short, very tiny. Um, So working with someone who's going through chemo that's uh, very difficult because their body can change at any moment. Um, and they also don't have as much muscle or as much fat as other people. So you really are working with um, a lot of bone and making sure that it's going to lay over, not be too tight. And then my other five models are abled bodies, but I really wanted to make sure that I included diversity within those models too. But I remember making my model list. <laughs> I had the Casey Fashion Week model casting girl be like, yeah, they're really all over the board. I was like, exactly. Like I want people to see that anything and all, like everything's beautiful on a woman. It doesn't matter what they have. Like it's all beautiful. I know whenever you were casting, it was a little hard to find models that had disabilities and that was something that was really important to you and that was so cool that you made such a valiant effort to do so I did I just think it's important if you're going to make a line for a certain category like you have to have people from those categories you have to have them you have to spend the hours upon hours reaching out it's hard to make it's hard to draw that line where like what is you know sensual and what is objectifying or like whatever so like I know there's a lot of girls out there with disabilities that just don't, they wouldn't be comfortable being like the center of attention. And I think it's twofolds. Like they don't feel great about their body. And also anywhere they go, they are the center of attention because people look at them. So I can see that. And it is a hard job being a model because like all eyes are on you. Granted, they are looking at the clothes, but like you're the one wearing them. So you have to feel confident in it. So yeah, and especially I like my line is like very sexy. There are some low cuts. Um, a lot of I have girls in just like leotards with like beautiful beading, but like the dress is completely see through. So asking that of people who maybe don't feel that great about their body is is a very big step for someone to take. What is the biggest thing that you want people to take away whenever they see Breathe go down the runway? I want them to take away what my message is, which is disabled women are just women. The hard part is, is like I want it to affect people, but I don't want it to affect people just because it's disabled women. Like I want them to appreciate what's happening, but I don't want them to be like, 
Like, that's what I don't want. I want them to be like, wow, look at these amazing women wearing amazing garments. I think a truly inclusive line doesn't just rely on tokenism to create it as inclusivity. If you only have one model from each category, are you really being inclusive? I mean, that is harder when you're dealing with like, maybe like a five person line to be like, oh, it's tokenism. But for New York Fashion Weeks, when they have 30 to 50 looks, you can put more than one one model plus size in there or one model with a disability in there. It's not just making sure you check a box, but making sure that you're intentionally wanting to include all different types of women and not just the type that you consider beautiful and then putting in a couple just to be like, wow, we really care. I think when it becomes, when it's no longer a novelty, I know Jillian Mercado is really big right now in the modeling industry because she's the tokenized model with muscular dystrophy. Mm -hmm. So when you think of, oh, disabled models, you think immediately her name, which it's obviously important to have those role models and no pun intended, slightly. (laughs) But I think a truly inclusive line, you won't even think of it as, oh, they're the disabled model. They're just another model, you know? So I think that that's when it's no longer out of the ordinary for there to be a model in a wheelchair or with crutches. It shouldn't be a big, like, yeah, show it whenever should just be she, like, like, oh, there's another person. Exactly. That's what inclusivity feels like. It just feels like normalcy. Um, and I think that's one thing that fashion really has to get past is not being so exclusive because exclusivity in the end just makes for a bad environment for everyone. Um, and it just creates that hierarchy that doesn't need to be there in fashion. So having inclusive brands that are accessible for everyone is important, but still have that like genuineness about them where you feel amazing still wearing it and you're not like, oh, everyone's wearing this. It's like, it shouldn't be bad that everyone's wearing it as long as you feel good in it. Fashion can do better and it should do better. And like, I feel like like Fashion Week there was a big story on it about its lack of inclusion with accessible entrances and things like that. And Jillian Mercado was, yeah. yeah. You have to go through back alleys. Yeah. And that's how it was when I was there. I just feel like it's just such an industry that so many people for so long have been told you don't belong here. And now like that it's finally getting to push back. Like if you're not letting us in, like we'll build a way in, like we'll build a ramp to fashion week. When I cue you out, you're going to walk over to the far side of the runway. Special thanks to the whole Obvious Question team. This episode was produced by Rosie Belson, edited by Ryan Mueller. Online support came from Nathan Lawrence, and our executive producer and silent co-host is Aaron Hay. This has been The Obvious Question. I'm Maddie Lawson. I'm Becky Smith. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. Breathe is inspired by the movement, texture, color, and sensuality of American expressionist painting. Bridging the gap between fashion and inclusivity works to give everyone the opportunity to feel sexy and alive. So please welcome Toby Marie.